We're in the middle of a year-long look at the Sermon on the Mount where we've most recently discussed murder, adultery, and divorce. It seems like a perfect time to come up for air on a family Sunday as we stay within the framework of Jesus' favorite topic of discussion, the kingdom, which is also our focus as a church this year. Today, we're looking at the kingdom of God at home. If you recall the quote from Dallas Willard from weeks ago, it was this, and that is, the kingdom is where what God wants done is done. If this is the kingdom, then the family is the primary place where we hope to see this happen. This belief must have been central to the great Christian father, Augustine of Hippo, when he called the home, and specifically the church, the domestic church, excuse me, specifically the family, the domestic church. So the family is the domestic church. This creates a compelling picture of the parents as the first preachers of the faith, with children contributing to the mission of something larger than themselves. I wonder if the language for domestic church was cultivated while Augustine read the famous passage in Deuteronomy 6 known as the Shema, listening to Moses say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Perhaps it was his reading of the countless passages in Proverbs that talk about parents instructing children for the point of spiritual formation that created the language of domestic church. Or maybe from Paul's letters where he indicates instructions for how families are to engage known as the household codes. The family or the domestic church is a formation factory. The family is the place where my failures, my vices are on display, sad to say it, for all to see. And at its best, The family is an agent of my spiritual formation. When you hear family, this can also extend to the family of God, which includes anything from a tight-knit group of roommates or a city group with high levels of proximity. There's something for all of us listening today. So here's where we're going. Here's the big idea. As members of the kingdom of God, we must view the domestic church as the primary school of virtue. Let's look at the domestic church as a school of virtue. Now, virtue, I wonder what comes to mind when you hear virtue. Does it feel stuffy? Does it feel like your charter school from which you are on summer break, students? Virtue is very much a kingdom value. For the sake of definition today, let's call it this. It's an inner and consistent tendency towards the good. Think of virtues less as moralistic fences like Pastor Aaron mentioned recently. I've gotta keep this rule, I can't break that rule. Uh, And instead, think of virtues more as the wells we hope to cultivate in our families, which will produce the good. Back to Augustine here, he said, I believe that virtue is nothing other than perfect love of God. That's a pretty big statement right there. 
a worthy call for us in our homes to cultivate virtue, or in other words, to cultivate the perfect love of God. So how are we to do this? Good question. Remember, Pastor Aaron said that formation happens by repetition. It's right in line with what Pope Francis said. How do we become virtuous? Through ideas, incentives, practical applications, stimuli, rewards, examples, models, symbols, reflections, dialogue, and a constant rethinking of our way of doing things. In other words, the virtuous life is not learned by a few abstract rules. It's through the repetition of our lived experiences. It's an awful lot like learning to become a baseball player. If I was gonna teach someone how to become a baseball player, it would be foolish to sit down and lay out all the rules of the game. Talk about foul balls and tagging up on a fly ball, drop third strike, DH rule, etc. Instead, I want young players to go to a game, attend a Rockies game, get there early, watch how they chalk the foul lines and, and the batter's boxes, spray down the infield, smell the freshly cut grass, feel the rush of the crowd when someone hits a home run. And also, I want them to play the game. And after a series of repeated practices, baseball will be put into their body. And after a while, they will become a baseball player. And watch this, all right? Having played a while, they will learn the rules, these new players. They'll flow naturally out of playing the game. They'll become baseball players through a lived experience. The heart of the matter was not the rules, it was the repeated action that led to the virtue of the game. How do we learn to be courageous or prudent, kind, self-sacrificing and patient? It won't come from a rule book. It'll come from a steady day-to-day -day practice in virtue. And in the family, this is led by the parents and enhanced by the siblings. In the context of roommates, it's led by the most bossy person in the house. Just kidding, maybe not totally kidding. But with roommates, right? Isn't it an exercise for everyone? Opportunities to show patience, to be kind and self-sacrificing. It's in the community where we are most deeply formed. Aristotle said this, what's the right thing to do? Find the good person and imitate him. Discovering the right thing to do is not a matter of finding the rule book and consulting it, but rather finding someone who is doing the right thing and imitating her or copying him. When Jesus invited people to be his disciples, he did not say, hey, come and learn my rules. What did he say? He said this, hey, come and follow me. A few years ago, we took our kids to the Denver Art Museum to view an exhibit of the, of the works by the 19th century French artist Edgar Degas. It was fascinating to see the progression of paintings from his childhood to his later years as an adult artist. 
As a younger artist, he would copy the works of other master artists, and in doing so, he learned the methods and techniques, the virtues, if you will, of the craft of painting until he could do them on his own and later on became a master artist himself. The same thing happens in the development of virtue within the household. So a word to children, copy the great things you see in your parents. And parents, don't screw it up. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Uh, but we do also feel the pressure, don't we, as parents, little eyes always watching. Well, don't sweat the pressure. As we learned, if you were at the Redeeming Heartache Conference this weekend, we can, if we can repair our mistakes, we only need to get it right 50% of the time. That makes me breathe a little bit easier. And listen to this countercultural statement. It is virtue that makes us free. Our inner and consistent tendency towards the good is what makes us free. Now, back to baseball. When the virtues of the game are placed inside of you, then you can play the game freely. You can do what the game demands. You can respond to the ever-shifting landscape of baseball. This, don't you think, is why great athletes draw crowds? This is why the accomplished musician leaves listeners in awe? The virtues of the sport have been placed in him. The virtues of the instrument and of music itself have become part of her. Freedom isn't opposed to virtue, Bishop Robert Barron says. Freedom is the result of virtue, thanks to Bishop Barron, who shaped much of my thinking on these uh, thoughts today. Now, this creates a pretty compelling ideal of what the virtuous life can do. Inspire others to lead a virtuous life. But what do we do, however, when our actions are not enough to inspire those around us to follow our lead? Is it all sunshine and roses? Is it all the best? To quote the prophet Nacho Libre, no, 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 no way, Jose. There's a need for a reality check. Now, I know some of you right now are thinking to yourself, he just quoted Nacho Libre, and then he followed it up with the need for a reality check. Can we trust what this guy is saying? And to that, I would say, don't be crazy. Back on track here. Learning a sport involves much correction. I cannot count how many times I was corrected as an athlete. Learning the virtuous life also involves much correction. Kids, when your parents offer correction, it's a good thing. Take my word for it. After all, didn't I just quote Nacho Libre? I must be speaking the truth, right? The Bible reminds us the Lord disciplines those he loves, just like your parents. And on the other side of this, if we indulge our own desires without correction, if there are no fences, no boundaries, no instruction, we won't come to a place of spiritual maturity. If you came to me as a coach and said, I don't want to play baseball that way that you're teaching. I want to run to third base first. I want to throw the ball into the stands for my friends. I would look at you and say, I don't really care what you want to do. <laughs> you can't run wherever you want. You can't throw wherever you want. 
Children who indulge their own desires without parents who are correcting folly and holding healthy boundaries, those children will have a sense of their rights, but not their responsibilities is what Pope Francis said. And aren't we very big on this as a nation? Big on rights. But when rights become the exclusive, the understanding of responsibility and virtue becomes diluted. Which means, honestly, we have an uphill battle to teach virtue today. Now, a word of caution for us all. When I was coaching high school baseball, I had high school varsity athlete, baseball athletes, who'd become blossoming experts in the mechanics of a baseball swing or how to throw a curveball. They knew the game, they'd played at a high level, and yet they'd lost the love of the game. They lost their virtue at a time when they should be having the most fun, making a run for a state championship as a senior in high school, they were done, tired, burnt out, not interested. They had a form of virtue, but denied its power. In the midst of this series on losing my religion, I wonder who among us would relate to this. We've become numb to the ways of the kingdom because We've become so familiar with the kingdom. Have our homes turned into virtuous facades where we look the part of the family with all their stuff together from the outside and on the inside we're actually full of rot? Today can be a day where we turn to the creator of virtue to find life again. And for some of us, we need a revival of the virtuous within our home. What a perfect time as we step into summertime. May we not forget our first neighbors who are our wives, our husbands, our children, our roommates. As we step into summertime, may our households, our domestic churches be places where virtue is cultivated through bike rides and neighborhood walks, family games and family meals, without the presence of technology distracting us. May we aspire to seek out the beauty and all that God has given us, which is so accessible in Colorado, by the way. My hope today, with these precious few minutes, which are so few in the grand scheme of everything that we have going on in our busy lives, my hope is to remind us or inform us about the potential that we have in our domestic churches, these spiritual formation factories to make them sanctuaries of God's presence and schools of virtue. There's a good chance that those who are listening today about the virtuous life consider the example of Jesus and feel like you're not part of the club, like you're looking from the outside in well, there's an invitation for you today, and it's from Jesus. Here's what he's saying to you. The same thing that he said to his disciples. Come and follow me. If that is you today, you can say under your breath right now, wherever you are, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you are God. I will follow you. If you said those words. This will begin a journey of discovery for you 
a journey of imitating what you see modeled in Jesus, a journey of apprenticeship. Let's pray to wrap up our time this morning. Jesus, thank you that you are the prime example of a life lived with virtue, perfect love towards God. We come to learn today from your example and ask that you would teach us and correct us in the areas where we have fallen short, turn our attention back to you in the areas where we need the perfect love of God. God, I thank you for the family, the domestic church, and ask that you would help make our homes, our communities, our city groups, our living situation with our roommates. Would you make these areas schools of virtue for us? And as we step into the summertime, God, would you help us to pursue the good and see the beauty in the world that you've created? Would you help us slow down for loving interaction with those that are dearest to us? And God, for my friends who are listening that, that just said for the first time that they were giving their lives to you, I pray that you would give them the courage to step or take another step into a community of people who are living chasing after you, a virtuous community where they can learn to not only imitate your ways through what they read, but also imitate your ways through what they see in others. Thank you for this time. We, we thank you for who you are. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.